what is the official's job? Is it to make the game make sense or to enforce the rules of the game? Because to me, yes, it makes sense that that's not a fumble. But the rules of the game seem to say that it's a fumble. So it's a fumble. The job of the officials is to then call it a fumble. Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, including a Fiesta Bowl preview, and of course, our signature game, Bull Sponsor or Bankrupt Company, followed by college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rule and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 112. Iowa State has played a couple of games in December over the past, I don't know, 100 and some odd years that the college has been uh, a thing playing football. Only three of those games have occurred on December 31st. Those would be the Liberty Bowl in 2012, which resulted in the loss against Tulsa. In 2009, the Insight Bowl, uh, which was a win against Minnesota. And the Peach Bowl in 1977, which was a loss to NC State. However, Iowa State has never, up until the year 2021, played a game in the month of January when we go to the Fiesta Bowl to face the Ducks. I think that's pretty exciting. Only three games we played in the uh, the last day of the last month of the year, but never a game in the first month of the year. Fun fact. Yup, fun fact. This it's is a very fun fact. This is the Cyclones' first trip to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, that they've ever had. Um, so this is a really big game. Um, coming up on Saturday the 2nd, Iowa State versus Oregon. You can find that game um, televised. I think on, it's on, is it ABC at 3 p.m.? Uh, looking it up right now. Give me one second. Televised on ESPN at 3 p.m. Oh. So find that game on ESPN. Um, the Cyclones are still hanging around at four and a half point favorites, right about where we saw them last week. Um, and ESPN FPI is basically a pick 'em game. Iowa State has a fifty point Iowa State has a fifty point six percent chance to win that game, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. Um, Kyle, you wrote down some keys to the game here and some stats to keep an eye on. What do you got for us as far as? Well, yeah, so stats to keep an eye on. Um, or honestly, when we look at this Oregon team, they've only played six games. So the sample size is relatively small compared to Iowa State's. Uh, and we'll see that as where Oregon ranks offensive and offensively and defensively. Uh, as we talk about this, I pulled stats based on yards per game, not points per game or points per game allowed. Uh, so IS, Iowa State's offense ranks, ranks 31st. Uh, according to ESPN in the FBS, uh, in yards per game, while Oregon's defense ranks 67th nationally, giving up that's allowing over 400 yards per game. Uh, so right there, we see a pretty good matchup offensively for Iowa State, especially coming from the Big 12, where generally the Big 12 plays more offense. When you look at Oregon's defense, especially. Uh, when you break it out into passing and rushing, they are giving up, they are allowing 250 yards passing per game and nearly 160 yards rushing per game. Uh, they're averaging 4.2 yards allowed per carry on the ground. So I think in this game, 
Iowa State's going to really have to create some big holes in that offense or with that offensive line for Brees Hall. And Brees Hall is just going to have to make the most of what he is given. Uh, when we look back to the championship game, I I would say personally, from what I saw, that was Iowa State's that was the offensive line's worst of the year. Uh, I don't think they played particularly well, especially getting up to the second level and getting on linebackers. But really, it's hard to get up to the second level when you're allowing the defensive linemen to get through and shoot the gap and tackle Brees Hall near the line of scrimmage. Uh, Brees wasn't didn't have a great average uh, per carry in that game. Uh, I'd have to go back and look it up. I forget what he averaged, but it should be easier sledding for Brees Hall uh, in this bowl game are allowing 4.2 yards uh, per carry. Uh, in the, on the flip side, uh, Iowa State's defense ranks 29th, according to ESPN, and Oregon's offense ranks 38. Uh, Oregon, this is not the Oregon of past with Chip Kelly, uh, Marcus Mariota, that fast flying Oregon Ducks team. Uh, They are significantly slower. They like to run the ball a little bit more. Uh, They're averaging 180 rushing yards per game uh, and only 250 passing yards per game. So it's not going to be significant air raid uh, like we see a lot of in the Big 12. Iowa State's really going to have to uh, load the box with their defense uh, or just rely on uh, solo tackles by uh, Vance, Rose, and all the linebackers are going to have to step up and play extremely well in this game. The the key, or I think the strong suit for Oregon is their offensive line. They have one of the the highest rated offensive linemen coming out this year, uh, projected possibly the number two overall pick, at least a top five pick in this year's draft. Um, Oregon is stout on their offensive line, and they are able to run the ball. They're averaging nearly five yards per carry, uh, and they're attempting nearly 36 carries per game. So they're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, So if Iowa State can stop the run and force their quarterback to throw the ball, he only has 13 touchdowns to five interceptions on the year. So he's prone to turn the football over. but yeah, I think Iowa State is going to have to be able to stop the run in this game. And on the flip side, they're going to have to run the football. Uh, and that'll set up the play action. And Brock Purdy should be more comfortable um, in, a, in that offensive line with the ability to run the football. That offensive line should be able to give Brock more time than he was allowed to have in the backfield. Yeah, I agree that Brees Hall is the key to this game. Running on both sides is going to be the key to this game. Um, Oregon's run defense is awful. Brees Hall should be able to have a good game, and then that'll be the key to the Cyclones' victory. Brees Hall, as he has been most of the year, is the key to the Cyclones' victory. Um, Other notes from around Cyclone football, um, the AP All-American teams were announced on Monday afternoon, and the Cyclones landed a school record four players on the All-America teams. Brees Hall was a first-team All-American, Mike Rose was a second-team All-American, and Jaquan Bailey and Charlie Kohler were third-team All-Americans. So congratulations to them. Um, one of the best seasons in Cyclone history. It's fitting that we have some of the most All-Americans that we've had in school history as well. So good for them. Likewise, Brees Hall also finishes sixth, 
correct in Heisman voting? Yeah, Cell finished sixth in Heisman voting as well, um, which means he will probably be one of the favorites next year um, when Heisman odds open, I would guess. So Brees Hall could be a, uh, a Heisman favorite going into next season, which would be amazing for an Iowa State player. Um, we have some other exciting news. Are you two ready for some excitement? Oh, I, yeah. I look forward to this game every year. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the this New Year's Six Bowl because we're not always here. That's true. What why oh Kyle is talking about is everyone's favorite board game. It is not a board game. Just kidding. Everyone's favorite podcast game, bowl sponsor or bankrupt company. <laughs> now, for those of you who have never played this game with us before, what's going to happen is I have a list of some bowl sponsors for these college football bowl games, and also some list of bankrupt companies. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to name the organization, and I'm going to count down from five. I'm going to go five, four, three, two, one, and then both Kyle and Wyatt are going to shout out what whether they think this organization is a bankrupt company or a bowl sponsor. Um, whoever gets the most correct by the end of my list, will be the winner. Um, do either of you two have any questions about the rules? Nope. Now, let's play it. All right, here we go. Question one. The company is Hertz. Three, two, one. Bankrupt company. Wyatt said bowl sponsor. Kyle said bankrupt company. The answer is... Bankrupt company. Hertz. Oh, no. It's the Hertz rental car company. They went oh. bankrupt. Oh, I was thinking Hertz Donuts. No, oof. it was Hertz rental car company. Kyle is correct. Big oof. Her- I don't think Hertz Donuts is big enough to sponsor a bowl. I want them to be, though. I think they should. I didn't think they were either. But, I mean, if, if a donut company could sponsor a bowl game, that's perfect because they're both circular type things. Anyway. Yeah, that would be cool. But no, it is it is Hertz Car Company and it is a bankrupt company. Kyle has a point. Moving on to number two, offer mode. One, two, three. Bankrupt company. Bowl sponsor. Also, you said you were counting down from five. Whoops. And, you, and you went three. three to one the first time <laughs> and then one to three the second time. This is an elite podcast. That's how no, it's premiere. We're not elite. We're premiere. Um, anyway, it is a bowl sponsor. Why wow. correct Kyle is on? What bowl is it? It is the, uh, where'd my list go? The Arizona Bowl, off of Pat Arizona Bowl. Is that, is that bowl being played? Are we counting bowls that aren't being played? Yeah, it's being played. It's Ball State versus San Jose State. Oh, okay. Yeah. Being played on December 31st at 2 p.m. For all our Ball State fans out there, uh-huh. or San Jose State fans. Uh-huh. Ball State. All right. Ready for the next one? I'm going to count down from three this time. All right. Okay. FBIC Mortgage. Three, two, one. Ball sponsor. Ball sponsor. They are a ball sponsor. You are both correct. So you each have two points through the first three. Moving on to number four. GNC. Three, two, one. Bankrupt, bankrupt company. company. They are they are bankrupt company. That is I, I yeah. knew that one. Okay. Next, Sizzler. Three, two, 
one bull sponsor. Bankrupt company. They better be a bull sponsor. Sizzla is a bankrupt company. Oh no. That went bankrupt. Um this yes. year. So right now, Kyle at the halfway point, Kyle is up four to three. For number six, Mercari. Three, two, one. Bull sponsor. Bull sponsor. They are a bull sponsor. That is correct for both of you. Number seven, Gold's Gym. Three, two, one. Bankrupt, bankrupt company. company. They are a bankrupt company. Yep. You're both correct. All right. Wyatt, you got to come back here. You're down one with three to go. Next one, roofclaim.com. Three, two, one. Bankrupt company. They are a bull sponsor. Oh, (laughs) Wyatt ties it up with two to go. Next one is model sporting goods. Three, two, one. Bankrupt Bankrupt company. company. They are a bankrupt company. We should tie this one because he said he has a really good tiebreaker. <laughs> we have for a us. really good tiebreaker if needed. But here we go. Your last one: bowl sponsor or bankrupt company? Verbo. Three, two, one. Bowl sponsor. Bowl sponsor. sponsor. You did so. You both got. Would you both get seven points? Eight points? Seven points each. Seven. You both got seven out of ten. Well done. Congratulations. You know your bankrupt companies and bowl sponsors pretty well. Um, your tiebreaker, now that you're both tied. So unlike in normal years, normally we play this before any bowl games have started. But because um, of the compressed schedule this year and the bowl games starting like a couple days after the Big 12 championship game, we're actually doing this a little later. So we've had some bowl games that have been played already. So for your tiebreaker, you have to tell me the number of total points that have been scored in the bowl games that have been played so far. Whoever is closest without going over wins. Can we Google it? <laughs> no, uh, you can Google it. Oh, dang. Do, can we know how many games have been played? Um, sure. There have been 10 bowl games played. 10 bowl games. Whoever gets total. me closest to the total number of points scored in those bowl games without going over will be a winner of bowl sponsor or bankrupt company. Total points scored in 10, 10 bowl games. Oh, I'm assuming like... 515. Oh, that's a lot more than I was going to say. Kyle sure. says 515. 301. The answer is 500. And 52. Oh. Yeah. Nice. That was a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was a good tiebreaker. I like that. Congratulations, That was a really Kyle. good tiebreaker. Yeah, we've had a lot We've had a lot of high-scoring games. I mean, in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Appalachian State and North Texas combined <laughs> for almost 80 points just in that one game. Didn't uh, Coastal and Liberty had like 60 points. Yeah, Coastal Carolina and Liberty combined for seventy-one points. So. Oh shit! Do you know That's... what? Do you know what I just realized? I did in my head with my quick mental math. There, I only took one team score. <laughs> I was assuming. <laughs> I was wondering if you did that. Duh! So I would have said six hundred. That Dang makes it. Oh, well, sense. Still would have won. That makes sense because I was saying to myself, I was like, "Ah, oh, it's probably an average of about fifty-two points per game." But I was like, I'll undershoot it, so I'll say 50. Yeah, I was going to say 60 points per game, 30 for each side, approximately. And then I did 30 times 10 to get 300. Wow. This is why you can't trust me to do mental math. 
There you go, Kyle. Congratulations on your victory of this year's instance of ball sponsor or bankrupt company. Well done. Um, keep studying because, of course, as always, this game will be back for its fourth annual running next year come ball season. I'm already excited for next year's game. Me too. I, well. I, I, like, I don't want to like give writing, that belt away. I like writing this game, so I'm looking forward to doing it again next year. Well, but, speaking of games, uh, I, uh, Cyclone men's basketball didn't have any this week. Uh, it was a lull of a week. Um, they do play number two Baylor uh, this coming Tuesday. Uh, and that game is going to be an interesting game for the Cyclones. Yes, they did play West Virginia well on the road. Um, but Baylor is a little bit of a different beast. And Iowa State, obviously, this year has, is a rebuilding year slash reinvention of the identity of this team. Uh, so Steve Prohm's got his work cut out for him and, as well as this team. So it'll be interesting uh, what happens in this game. But I, I don't know if I would expect a lot. Cyclone fans, just be happy that we don't get blown out by 30, me. So, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can watch this game and then, uh, you know, and then take a little bit of a break. This game is at noon on Saturday. Oh, right. Sorry. It's on Saturday, not Tuesday. Someone yeah. put in the outline that it was Tuesday, but I thought it was Saturday. This is what happens when you read straight from the outline and people make mistakes. I didn't put that. I just said they play number two Baylor. That's all I said. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you put the, uh, the day in there, Kyle. Yeah, that was I, I didn't type that at all. That was you. I can I can look back at the edit history of our outline, but you know that isn't very interesting for our listeners, so we'll spare them all of that. Um, anyway, yes, the game's at noon on Saturday, so watch Baylor play that game, or watch us play that game against Baylor, take an hour off, and then come back and watch Speed Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. So there you go. I have your Saturday all planned out for you. Iowa State basketball followed by Iowa State football followed by celebration after a Fiesta Bowl victory. All you need. There you go. Hope you didn't have plans on Saturday, because if you did, you need to cancel them, because that's what you're doing now. Um, I don't know if any of you had plans this last Sunday. If you did, you maybe didn't uh, watch all of the NFL games to see how they affected the playoff races, as this was week 16. Um, so Kyle will fill us in on everything that happened across the NFL and get us updated on those playoff races and some scenarios for week 17. Yeah, so we had a fun uh, slate this week. It started off on Christmas Day, actually. Uh, and <laughs> can I just say, not a fan of those um, of that Christmas Day game. I mean, I know the Vikings are playing, and that might make me biased, but I just, I'm just not a fan of that in general. If it's not a day that you would have played a game otherwise, um, then why are you playing it? Because it's Christmas. Not good. Right. I was also going to see, or I was also going to say maybe they put it on Christmas so that people had something to watch this year. Uh, But I think this was scheduled way before any of the uh, pandemic happened. So plus the NBA played anyway. So right. But yeah. Oh, well, uh, it wasn't much of a game. Um, Alvin Kamara completely ran over the entire Vikings team single handedly. Uh, he had six total touchdowns, which I believe tied an NFL record. Six, six rushing touchdowns. Six rushing touchdowns. Which tied an NFL record, yes. Right. Yep. So, 
Mike, do you want to give a little bit more of a breakdown of that game or are we uh, skipping it? There's there's not much more to say. I mean, the Vikings actually, Drew Brees himself did not have a very good game, but it didn't matter because Alvin Kamara, like Kyle said, ran all over uh, the Vikings. Um, It did officially eliminate the Vikings from playoff competition. The Vikings will not be headed to the playoffs this year. Um, So next week, the Vikings play the Lions. The Lions are also eliminated. So that will be a meaningless week six or week 17 affair um, in the NFL. Correct. Uh, The aforementioned Lions got absolutely blitzed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, have officially made their first playoff appearance since 2007, ending that 13-year drought. Uh, The Cardinals and the Rams in the NFC West both lose division games. Uh, They both have to fight it out next week uh, in order to make the playoffs uh they do play each other so the winner of that game uh i'm checking 538 real quick the winner of that game is officially in the playoffs uh as that winner of that game will make it in at nine and seven uh and have the head-to-head tiebreaker against the other team uh the browns (laughs) were stunned by the new york jets the jets win another game uh so fun fact new york now has more wins in the past four weeks than the pittsburgh steelers uh one of those teams is garbage the other one was pretty good at the beginning jacksonville uh with the jets win is now officially on the clock they own the number one pick in 2021 nfl draft uh, speaking of Pittsburgh, they did officially end their three-game skid as they came back to beat the Indianapolis Colts once down, uh, I believe, 24-7 to uh, in that game. They came back to 28-24. to Indianapolis did not look great in the second half, and Pittsburgh was benefited by a lot of favorable calls in their uh, thrown their way uh, at the end of that game. On to the NFC East. The Eagles are too hurt to fly. They are officially eliminated from the playoffs. The Washington football team lost to the Carolina Panthers this week, and Dallas beat the Eagles. So Dallas is still alive in the NFC East as well as the Giants. We will get to that in a second. The Chiefs eked the Falcons on a last-second missed field goal by the NFC Pro Bowl kicker Youngway Koo. didn't account for a brisk breeze that pushed that ball wide right. Uh, the Chiefs lock up that number one seed in the AFC, so home field advantage is at Arrowhead Stadium throughout the AFC playoffs, assuming they win. And the Packers blow out the Titans in snowy Lambeau this week. The Packers still have yet to clinch the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, in order to do that next week, the Packers have to uh, Chicago Bears. This game is at in Chicago, uh, so it's a it's a final road game for the Packers. If the Packers lose that game uh, and the Saints win, if the Packers lose and the Saints win, but the Seahawks lose, then the Packers get the number one overall seed in the NFC. But if the Saints, if the Packers lose, Saints win and Seahawks win. The Carol or the 
New Orleans Saints have the first round by in the NFC. Huge difference uh, in route for the NFC. Uh, so a lot is on the line in week 17 for those teams. Uh, so the Packers, Packers fans will be looking a lot to those Saints and Seahawks games if the Packers, the Chicago Bears this day. Uh, still to there still is one more game in week 17 or week 16 to be played that determines the AFC standings for the week. But right now the AFC is Kansas City 1, Pittsburgh 2, Buffalo 3, Tennessee 4, Miami 5, Baltimore or Baltimore 6, Cleveland 7 with Indianapolis sitting on the outside looking in at 8. Uh but if the Bills end up winning on Monday Night Football, they will slide into the two seed in the AFC as they have the tiebreaker over the Steelers. But really what we care about are the five teams fighting for the final four spots in the AFC. Those teams are Baltimore, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Cleveland, and Miami. Uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis have identical records, but if Tennessee wins this week, they win the division. Uh, but if they lose and the Colts win, then there's a whole different scenario and the Tennessee Titans could potentially fall all the way from four to out of the playoffs. Uh, if that does happen. Yeah. It's, it's conceivably possible for an 11 win AFC team to miss the playoffs this year. Right. Because, yeah. because out of that group that I listed, all of those teams are 10 and five. Yep. And if and none of them play each other, so it's theoretically possible that all of them could win next week. And then an eleven, even with the expanded seventeen playoff for this year, an eleven win AFC team loses or misses out on the playoffs. Well, a six or seven win NFC East team gets in. Yeah. Welcome so, to the NFL. Yeah, where every week matters. I mean, you look at it. The Cleveland Browns were in pretty comfortable. Uh, in a pretty comfortable spot in their playoff hopes until they lose to the Jets. And now it is dicey because if they lose, they are the, they don't have a great shot of making the playoffs with a loss this week to the Steelers. They only have a 16% chance. They're, they're hanging their hats on a lot of other things to happen in order for them to still make it into the playoffs On to the NFC. Things are, things are still just as murky there. Oh, it's a little, it's a little more straightforward. Uh, but Chicago, if they win, they're in, they have a 68% chance to make the playoffs right now. Uh, they have one of the highest percentages remaining in the NFC. The Rams have the highest at 83%. But as I mentioned before, the Rams and the Cardinals play the winner of that game will make the playoffs and the loser will not. Uh, so or not, I guess not necessarily a few other things could happen. Let's see if, if, so if the the Cardinals win that game, the Rams still have a 65, 66% chance. So in order for the Rams to not make it, they have to lose to the Cardinals and have the bears beat the Packers. Right. So the bears Uh, no have the bears lose to the Packers. Yes. Sorry. The bears are in if they beat the Packers and the winner of the Cardinals Rams game is Yes. If the Bears lose to the Packers, then both the Cardinals or then the Rams are in for sure. And that last um, spot will either go to the Bears still who would get in with a Cardinals loss or the Cardinals who would get in with a win. So, Right. right. And things are murky in the NFC East still. Uh, it is not 
100% certain that Alex Smith is going to be able to go. Washington released Dwayne Haskins after he had a miserable game and decided to skip out on his post-game press conference, and he just went home. Uh, So if Washington ends up winning that game, they're in. They win the NFC. But if they lose that game to the Eagles, the Cowboys have the best chance to win, but the Cowboys and the Giants are playing because and those two teams have the second best chances to win in that division. So the if the Washington football team loses, the winner of the Cowboys-Giants game makes the playoffs. Yep. And the winner of the NFC East could be a 6-10 and 10 football team if the Giants end up beating the Cowboys. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy. But we'll see what happens. And, of course, next week we will keep you all um, informed on what happened in Week 17. And we'll preview some of the playoff matchups that will be starting the week after that. So keep your ears open for that in next week's episode. Um, Moving on to everyone's favorite segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. Um, We're going to talk about a play that happened near the end of the Rams-Seahawks game. Now, for those of you who didn't see it, um, what happened is the Rams completed a pass over the middle of the field to a wide receiver who had to dive to catch the ball, but was never touched. The receiver then got up, put the ball down. It was the two-minute drill, and they didn't have any timeout. So he got up, and he put the ball on the ground like to help the official spot it, and then went to go line up. Then the Seahawks picked it up and started to return it because you know he wasn't touched. So maybe he wasn't down. Maybe it was a fumble, right? The ruling on the field was that the runner, quote, gave himself up. Um, Therefore, he was down and it was not a fumble. Um, The rule that they were referencing there is um, Rule 7, Section 2, Article 1, Part D, Part 1. So um, that says an official shall declare a dead ball and the down ended when D, when a runner declares himself down by Part 1, falling to the ground or kneeling and clearly making no immediate effort to advance, right? Falling to the ground or kneeling and clearly making no effort to advance. Now, what we see here, right, is we see a person catch the ball while he's on the ground, but then stand up and then set the ball down, right? So therefore, he was not falling to the ground or kneeling when he put that ball down. I agree that putting the ball on the ground is is um clearly making no effort to advance, but it is an and. It has to be falling to the ground or kneeling and clearly making no immediate effort to advance. I would say standing up after being on the ground and not being touched is making an effort to advance, and he wasn't falling down or kneeling. So to me, that's a bad call by the officials. Wyatt, do you agree that I think that should have been a fumble recovered by Seattle turnover? Wyatt, do you agree with that assessment? I do agree with that. And kind of breaking it down further, you can't call this forward progress because he was never touched. Forward progress is defined at the first point of touching of the of the opponent, right? So this isn't obviously forward progress. I don't think he clearly gave himself up. If he would have taken a knee, right, he would have then been touched by the opposing team and the ball would have been dead. But since he wasn't ever touched and he just lets go of the ball, I think it's a fumble. If we look at the definition of a fumble, 
which is a rule in and of itself. And uh, Rule 8, uh, Article 2, Section 5, or uh, Article, Section 2, Article 5, uh, a fumble is any act other than passing, successful handing, or legal kicking of the ball, which results in the loss of player possession. And I feel like this falls under the definition of a fumble. Right. And, and so since you can't give yourself up if you don't have possession of the football, losing possession of the football can't be the act of giving yourself up. I, I agree. It's circular reasoning. <laughs> right. So, right. I, this, this, this to me is similar to the, the play between the Bills and Titans in the playoff game last year that we talked about at the time, right? Where the Tennessee player caught the kick in the end zone and tossed it to the mm. official without taking a knee. Right. Again, but why didn't I both argue that that should have been a Bills touchdown, a fumble and a Bills touchdown, but they ruled that he gave himself up. I think that in both situations, the officials misinterpreted the rule. It is an and, right? He has to be falling to the ground or kneeling and clearly making no effort to advance. It's an and. If you are standing and clearly making no effort to advance, you're not down. You have to be kneeling or falling down and making no effort to advance. Not if you're just standing there. And I don't want to place all the blames, all the blame on the officials uh, on the field there. I think this was a call by New York. uh, If if you want my opinion on that, because if you actually look at the replay, both the heads, the headlinesman, um, the the line judge on the other end of the field and uh, the umpire, or was it the umpire that they all signaled that it was, uh, the Seahawks football, that it was a fumble recovered on the field, which was then overturned after review, after discussion. So I feel like this was some weird call from New York, or it could have been from the Bushel as well. But I, I totally agree. It's not the right call, in, in my opinion. I, we could be missing something, right? We're not rules experts by any means. Um, but based on my interpretation of the rules, this that, that should have been a fumble recovered by Seattle. Yeah, this to me is another one that, screams what is the official's job is it to make the game make sense or to enforce the rules of the game right because to me yes it makes sense that that's not a fumble but the rules of the game seem to say that it's a fumble so it's a fumble the job of the officials is to then call it a fumble that's one of those things it's stupid right it's like you're talking the bills play from from last year in the playoffs game it's stupid and you can't make stupid mistakes like that when you're playing professional sports ball doesn't care doesn't matter what sport it is right you can't make stupid mistakes like that stupid mistakes like that shouldn't be saved by some rel what in my opinion a misinterpretation of the rules Mm -hmm. um you got to own up to it and you know face the penalty for doing stupid that's something you see maybe in college but mostly in you know high school where you're going to forget do something silly like that well i mean in college he's down as soon as he hits oh yeah that's true Right? And you could see his, his teammate who was near him, right? As soon as he gets up, starts pointing downfield, like, run. And instead, the guy puts the ball on the ground. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that should have absolutely been a fumble. But it wasn't. Um, you guys can go find that video yourself and look it up and let us know what your interpretation of the rules should be from that play. But based on our interpretation of Rule 7, Section 2, Article 1, Part D, Part 1, um, it should be a fumble. Moving right along to hearing all of us fumble our write that down predictions in our accountability session. Um, we did have two predictions come off the board, and really this week I'm the only one that's fumbling. Um, I predicted that Brock Purdy would finish in the top 10 in Heisman voting. 
Um, I should have made that prediction about Brees Hall because I would be right, but I made it about Brock Purdy, so it is wrong. So, eh. Eh. I also predicted um, a couple weeks ago that the Vikings would make the playoffs. That's when I thought they would beat the Bears, and then they didn't beat the Bears. So that's a little bit of a problem for me. Um, so that is another long prediction. So, nah. Nah, nah. Um, that is all we had come off the board this week. So, um, Kyle, you want to start by putting some stuff back on the board for us? Oh, sure. It's not like it'll actually come true. But, hey, here's to hoping. Uh, yeah, so my prediction this week is that Brees Hall will rush for more than 100 yards and score two total touchdowns. So it doesn't have to be two rushing touchdowns. It could be mm. one of one rushing, one receiving, or two receiving, mm. but two I'm total thinking, touchdowns. I kind of I like this. I'm thinking single or double for this. Uh, it's not a single. Uh, I'm gonna get the double. You just talked about how Oregon gives up 150 I mean, rushing yards a game, but the touchdowns. And, yeah, but is he going to get the touchdowns be, yeah. in the red zone? I think that that will make it. I think I think if it was just rushing for a, over a hundred yards, it's a single. Yeah, and with the and, it's a double. How many total touchdowns does Brees Hall have this year? Well, he has nineteen rushing. Okay, and so least, at least twenty-two. So we played eleven games, and he has twenty-two touchdowns. So that he averages more than a hundred yards and two total touchdowns a game. Basically, <laughs> you're saying Brees Hall will have an average day against a bad defense. This is a single. <laughs> your statistics got me okay <laughs> i mean you say yeah. you say they'll have an average day against a bad rush defense that sounds like a single to me i made so for all of our listeners out there i made this prediction before i looked up how bad oregon's defense was <laughs> yeah and didn't go back and change it Oof. all right so single for kyle um i'm gonna make some predictions about the college football playoff games happening here or well, the semifinals are happening here this next week and the finals after that. I'm going to predict that Alabama never trails by more than 10 points in any of their two, well, it would have to be two if my prediction is right, playoff game. Actually, no, it wouldn't be. They could like be tied and then lose on a game field goal and, you know, never trail by more than 10. Or never mind. No. Blah, blah, blah. Do you want to restate your prediction? Yes, there? I need to restate my prediction. This prediction made more sense in my mind than what it's making now. This is a terrible prediction. This is a terrible prediction. I mean, you could be worded just say Alabama's never. Uh, how do you want to say that? The prediction I'm trying to get there is that they're going to dominate. Yeah. But I don't know how to say that. They, you could just say something along the lines of they finish each game by more than ten points. I yeah, they know. win both games by more than ten points. That, I think that'd be the best way to. So, in order for this way. prediction to be right, they have to win their first game. They basically Correct. have to win the championship. Correct. Yeah. So you're pre- not only are you predicting that they win by a lot in both games, but you're also predicting in a roundabout way that they win the national championship. Well, yeah, that would be winning two games. Yes. Right. They'll win both games by at least 10 points. So what are the odds that they, they get the title? Mm, let me see that. I haven't looked it up. Because I feel like that in and of itself will uh, define this yep. prediction. Yep. Um. Quick link to ESPN's Football Power Index here. Give me one second. Alabama has a 52% chance to win the national championship, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. But I don't know in what of those situations they win both games by at least 10 points. Well, if we look at just a 50% chance of winning two games, 
those are pretty good odds, right? Yes, but I'm adding the 10 points. I don't know if that's significant. Maybe it is. <sighs> I mean, so what's Alabama's average margin of victory? Yeah, there you go. I mean, their average margin of victory is largely irrelevant because they've never played anybody as good as the teams they're going to play in the playoff. Oh, wait, right. is that because Alabama's overrated? <clears throat> you mean no, the SEC as a whole is overrated? The SEC, yes. <laughs> That's, that would be a better statement there. <laughs> um, so if you, want the, if you want the line, so Alabama is 20-point favorites against Notre Dame. Um, but would be significantly less favorites against Ohio State or Clemson. Probably, they'd probably, probably, they'd probably be a five-point favorite, four-and-a-half, five-and-a-half favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm, we're probably between a triple and a home run, I'm guessing. I'd say triple. I, I was going to say triple as well, but do we? does this have home run merit? I'll, I don't think it does. I don't I hear don't any argument so. from Mike, so I think uh, it's Yeah, I'll take a triple. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, Wyatt, what do you got? My prediction is uh, much less analytical. I'm just going to say that Iowa State never kicks a field goal in the Fiesta Bowl. We're going touchdowns only or never, or never makes or never attempts. Never attempts. Um, Nary a field goal attempt shall happen from Iowa State. I'm thinking double or triple. Kyle, what do you think? Probably triple. Probably triple. How many times are we going to get into the red zone and actually get it in every single time? Yeah, I'm thinking this is probably a triple. Oh, we're going to get it in every I mean, if, if Oregon's defense is like West Virginia's, then we'll get it in three times on one drive. Yeah. <laughs> what do we have from Josh this week? He's still alive? Yep, still doing good. Um, he is going to predict that the Packers get the number one seed in the NFC. I think this is a single. This is definitely. They have, yeah, they have an 80%, 79% to 80% chance of doing that. So this yeah, is right. And, a, and if they win their game, they have a 66% chance to beat the – Bears, according to 538, you win that game, you get it. Yeah, you win or tie that game, both result in you um, getting the number one seed. Um, if you do end up losing that game, you still need Seattle to beat the Saints. Right. Or Seattle to win. Seattle to win and the Saints to win. So you need yeah. two things to happen. Yeah. So. With two singles and two triples, that rounds out our write that down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 112 of the 8311Cast. We appreciate you sticking around. Make sure you check out our Instagram page at 8311Cast where we post awesome social media content for social media stuff. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.